0: Welcome to Beyond the Pulpit with Andy Thompson. Beyond the Pulpit is a podcast that shows Andy Thompson in a different light. He talks with different guests
1: every week about how he overcame real life challenges all of us can relate to. If you want to support the Beyond the Pulpit podcast, head over to www.pastorandy.com podcast for more information.
0: I got, my, I got my, my camouflage hat on, you know what I'm saying? Very nice. And I, because just came back from this pheasant hunting trip, it was awesome, man. Killed a yeah, bunch boy. of pheasants. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. It I was need a blast. To go
1: on that next trip,
0: Chris. Chris, I know you don't really like to go outside, but believe me, man, you would. You would love this. you really good. You're just walking in the skirmish line. You are just, you know, people yell out, rooster. And you're just shooting in the sky. And it's Lucy in the sky with diamonds. It's just a, it's an awesome thing. And it's great. It's wonderful. But Chris, come on, man. We got to listen. I know you got, you're busy. I'm busy. They're busy. Yes. Everybody's busy. Listen, get all excited. Go tell everybody. Tell somebody on Instagram live, on YouTube live. Guess what? We are on here. We're about to have a no-joke series conversation. And, hey, Chris, I don't know if you can see the title because you just joined because I asked you to be on here with me on Instagram yeah, Live and the, on. what's the title? The title is How Important is Sex to a Relationship, okay? Just to give everybody an update in case you weren't aware, I was asked a question. Here's the question I was asked. One of the things that happens, Chris, is very often these things happen, right? Mm. And they post what I said without the question being there, I was posed a question by the live studio audience, one well, live studio audience, but I was posed a question by the general audience. And the general question was, hey, I'm in a relationship with a guy and it seems like everything he's asking me for is the the exchange is always sex. Okay. The exchange is always physical connection. So what? almost like what's that about? Kind of, Women wanting to feel like, well, you're doing stuff for the right reason, or you're doing stuff because you care or because we have a really deeper connection. But it just seems like guys are kind of exchanging sex for the stuff that they want. And so that was the question, okay? That's the question. That was the question. And my answer, quite honestly, the part that went viral, and glad to go viral, but the part that went viral was me saying, hey, if you're with a fully heterosexual man, okay? then you need to be prepared to sleep with him a lot. Okay? That's what I I said. No shade meant you have somebody. Good. Be glad you have somebody. I'm all on your side. If you want him to talk good about you, if you want him to talk about you to his friends, just understand we're not talking about a design flaw, that the need for sex is not a design flaw. It's a design feature of of men. And I asked the question, can we battle for the equality of women without trampling on the possible needs of men. And is it it possible for us to have a conversation around what men need without it making women feel completely subjugated? And I was saying, hey, ladies, instead of seeing this information as a yoke of bondage, which is what it used to kind of be, maybe you can see it as information that will strengthen you in your endeavor to actually have a man if you want one, okay? Now, I I, I got all kinds of, you know, I, I'm i getting all kinds. Of, already we got a comment on here. He can't speak good about me because of who I am. Am I only here to give him sex a lot? See, a, So the, the, the kind of the kickback for women yes. is they don't want to just be defined as sexual creatures. Got you. Nobody's saying that's all you bring to the table. That wasn't what the point was. But I felt like it it required some more discussion. Yes, so that's what about. we're here to talk about today.
1: You know what I'm saying? It's it's the no, classic
0: I, difference between men and women. Go ahead.
1: I love it. So so this has gone viral, Pastor. This is Andy, this is hundreds of thousands of people are commenting on this. It's all over TikTok and, and the Instagrams and the YouTubes. And so it's exciting to see that this discussion is being had. Uh, what what's your reaction man what do you what do you feel about this this just kind of a throwaway line just a moment of answering something that you thought was very clear that it just takes off how does what do you think about it I mean I think
0: my first response is that I'm glad that we're getting a chance to be a part of the the discussion again I'm glad people are listening to us. I'm glad that people care. You know, on the TikTok world, I'm not necessarily on TikTok as Pastor Andy. It's just Andy Thompson truth. But I am glad because I think that a part of what the enemy did and a part of what just happened to the church is that we went in such a super conservative where, you know, dresses all the way down to your ankles and dresses all up to your neck and don't wear makeup and don't wear jewelry. We went so far that way that we just got, kind of compartmentalized outside of the discussion around sexual norms when it comes to what happens in the family. It's almost like if you can't kill the cancer, you just compartmentalize it. And that's kind of what we did. And the next thing you know, we found ourselves left out of the discussion around what should be good. We we went so far to the right to try to balance out the left instead of us trying to kind of find the middle. So first of all, my first response is, well, wow, I'm just glad Guys like you and me are getting a chance. Guys who who pass for thousands and and have great relationships with hundreds and hundreds and thousands of men are able to and women. We have daughters, we have spiritual daughters, we have we, you know, that that we actually are being allowed to not to speak for men, but to speak for this thing and to be heard. I find that really not just flattering, but I'm I'm glad about it because I think it's something that needs to happen. We're supposed to be the light. And so I, I feel like that's a good thing.
1: Now, you, so you essentially you're saying that you feel like the the male drive for sex has somehow been viewed, particularly from the church community as a flaw.
0: I'm I'm not just saying saying it's a
1: feature. feature.
0: Right. And I'm saying it's not just from the church community. It's from both communities. Okay. It's from the church community most definitely because men in the church are most escorted, most judged, most, I mean, that, I mean, when you and I were growing up, when we went to the altar for prayer, the, the main thing we were wrestling with, was, you know, and the, when the, and the Bible says if your right hand offends you, cut it off. Well, there was something that was offending us that we weren't about to cut off. It was the main thing as a teenage boy that you constantly felt, you know, condemnation around. So, definitely in the Christian church, you know, sex period isn't handled very well. It's not discussed a lot. It's kind of a place where we feel like the Bible is silent, so we're silent. But I also feel like we are now in a place in the world especially in the current culture where as a result of the negativity that has been done by men in the aim of meeting their drive Mm
1: -hmm. we have
0: now decided that masculine you know masculine energy or masculine aggression or sexual aggression from a man is something that has to really be washed out for and so now it's almost like guys you know guys are expected to be in a consistent monogamous relationship or a consistent relationship with someone and be very ambivalent what like we don't talk about sex as a need for men because you know we we're trying to bring balance to a place where we feel like men we're just able to just you know just act crazy
1: okay so you're so when you say a lot can can you please define a lot, a lot of sex frequency. So, you're just here to just interview me. That's all you're gonna yeah, I just show. wanna know what you're thinking. You're just
0: gonna sit on sidelines. No, you know, let me
1: just why would somebody marry somebody? I love that. Somebody said sex is a need for both, and it, it it's just both, and it's, it changes with different ages. And that you know what you deposit today, you will receive tomorrow. Um, you know, and and I think that's 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 healthy. But it's just interesting that only in the Christian community would we have to emphasize that if you marry somebody, they might want to have sex with you.
0: Right. I mean, and I and I love the idea that oh, both people need sex. I, I'm not saying both people don't need sex. I'm not saying both people aren't interested in sex. I. I got you. And I understand that there are exceptions outside of the rules. Okay. I'm trying to talk about as much of the norms as possible. Are there women who are more interested in sex than men? I suppose there are. Are there men who aren't as interested in sex? I suppose there are. That's a whole nother discussion. We can talk about that later in the conversation. But what I'm saying is that when we talk about sex and romance, what we're saying is that and this has been a, something that has been accepted for a while. I know right now the, the world is trying to make us be the same, like men and women are exactly the same. But I think the, the stats still hold out. The men are more interested in sex and women more in, are more interested in romance. OK, so the, the rom-coms, the movies, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all of that stuff is aimed at women. Who are who want to feel? Yeah, every now and then you'll talk to a guy who watches The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, mostly because we've been drafted into doing it by the women in our lives. Okay, because really that whole oh my god they really love each other that romantic thing that is aimed at women because that's what they are most interested in. Not that they're not interested in sex, but romance is the bigger deal for them. Sex is the bigger deal for men. The question typically, I was asked typically, typically on the average. And the question I was asked was, well, why is a romantic gesture have to be answered with sex? And my answer was, well, men have a need for sex, like women have a need for romance. So, you know, if if you want a man, understand him. Now, I know that all of the gender roles are being reevaluated, and I understand there's a great deal of pressure to make men suppress who they are in their masculinity. And I think that's dangerous because I think that we need men to be masculine and we need to be okay about that. And we need men to be aggressive because if we rob all aggression from any man,
1: then no now, what, one's going to roll you, on you. Andy, what do you mean aggression? What do you mean aggression? I, that I just mean like toxic masculinity.
0: I don't mean toxic masculinity. I just mean that there's a certain amount of, I see you across the room. It takes a certain amount of courage. It takes a certain amount of strength. It takes a certain amount of confidence to roll on somebody. It takes a certain amount of confidence to come home. I I think women don't necessarily understand the rejection that men can feel sometimes if they feel like, oh, I think I'd like to have a physical interaction with this woman and I have to deal with the possibility of rejection. It's going to take, it's going to take, and I, and I, and it's going to take a certain amount of confidence and a certain amount of determination for me to be like, yeah, Hey, I'm trying to get with you. And I, I I think of that as being aggressive, being assertive, being confident, being strong, being, I don't mean I'm holding nobody down. See, we always want to talk about the extremes. You know what I'm saying? One of the questions I got was, Oh yeah, well, just because you sleep with a guy a lot, you know, doesn't mean he's not going to cheat. I'm just like, I, 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 I got you we, we can always attack a, a statement based on the extremes you understand so right now people who are like oh wow oh you' trying to say that all you're saying is that women that's half the half of the comments I'm getting from women are oh well I wish you'd teach the balance so oh well I would I wish you'd share the other side and, and that's great the the thing of it is is that and I do share it I've written books on it I have shared it it's just that yeah. i was asked a question from a woman's perspective and i answered the woman based on the guy and i'm i'm sorry but it's annoying to me that the minute you say what men need there's a conclave there's a conclave of you know of female voices say the balance and i'm just like i I think we're aware that women want flowers. I think we're aware that women want compliments. I think we're aware that women want to be complimented, even no matter how. I think we're aware that women want to go out. I think there have been books written, and there's been a whole bunch of talk in the last 45 years about how much women have these needs in a relationship. And somewhere in that, what men need need what men need has gotten lost, and the few people that have dared to speak of it end up getting attacked quite vociferously, and I just feel like, yeah, but that doesn't eradicate the truth of the statement that I'm making, and that is, yeah, but sex is a need for
1: men. Now, you don't think that women know that sex is a need for men?
0: I don't know if it's so much that they don't know. I just don't know. I think what has happened is that it's kind of like you're battling this kind of what's fair or what, it's almost like what we were just saying about the, tr- the Christian church. It's almost like if the world is all the way to the left, the church decides to be all the way to the right. So if we decide, well, there's a significant amount of women who are under suppression by men. No, no argument, no argument, sure. So now instead of us trying to figure out what's the balance, which is what is actually gonna make something work between a man and a woman, We're gonna go to to the whole other extreme and we're just going to ignore what a man's needs are. And what's more, we're gonna ask, why do men need that? No one is saying, well, why do women need compliments? Or why do women need hugs? Or why do women need flowers? No one's saying that. We accept it and we're like, okay. But the minute I I, say, go ahead.
1: But I feel like that's everything with men. We accept their rules. They don't want to accept ours. Right. We say, okay, if I'm fat and broke, I probably am not going to have a very beautiful woman. We accept that. We accept that this is the life. This is a lot. We accept the fact that if I'm not six foot seven, I probably am not going to make it into the NBA. We are taught from the very beginning that sorry, brother, this is not going to work for you. But I feel like women in this society, particularly today, in this post-feminist third wave, is that we don't get to have any needs that we get to express without there being a Greek chorus of negativity that says, well, you shouldn't need that. okay? well, you shouldn't need food and you shouldn't need a clean house and you shouldn't need sex. You should be a co-partner And I just say, then just go marry a woman. If you don't want to give the man sex, if you don't want to give the man sex, then just accept what you are, is you are a spiritual lesbian or you you are either a spiritual lesbian or you have just reduced yourself to being a non-sexual being and, and leave us alone. Leave us alone. And we'll just deal with the women who understand. They know what time it is that ain't nobody marrying you to give you flowers every day that that is not why we marry you we primarily why we marry you is we have a drive to reproduce that god gave us just like he gave us a need for food and just like he gave us a need for order and just and if you're not going viol- to if you're going to violate the contract amen then we need to reevaluate the deal and the deal is already bad it's already a bad deal already. It's already a bad deal. So if you're going to take stuff off the table and make it worse, who's going to want to be married? And that's why marriage rates, they're getting married later and later and later in life. And that's why we have 51% of African-American men who are single and childless. That's why we have this high statistic because we have older men who are saying the younger men, don't do this not if you're getting into this to have a sexual connection with a woman on a regular basis. Okay. Then, cause it, once we have, when we have sexless marriages, we're just saying to the next tier of young men that this is not something that they want to get involved in. Right. And, and I, that's tragic.
0: Yeah. And, but, and I think that what's more is that we have to realize, which is why I'm even allowing any of these relationship questions these, these days, Because, you know, with the gray hair on my face, I'm just like, well, there's a whole lot of stuff I'd love to talk about. But I keep getting asked these questions because I've written the books and I've, you know, been considered, et cetera, et cetera. And and what's more is because I really do care about us as a people. I care about the country. I care about stability. I care about Consistency. I care about what it's going to take for us to be a strong nation. I care about what it's going to take for us to be strong people. I care what it's going to take for Black people to be strong. And I know not everybody that's watching this is African American, but I think that when we are talking about, you know, this foundation of what it takes for a man and a woman to actually get along when we're talking about what it takes to be consistent, when we're talking about what it takes to stay together, when we're talking about that. Because right now, Chris, it's just higgly-piggly crazy, in which everybody just wants to do whatever they want to do and lose real intimacies. I'm not arguing totally against the idea of a woman saying, well, I would like to be spoken nice to, and I would. And I do say to men, hey, the only time you should touch a woman shouldn't be when you want to have sex with her. Now come in and give her a hug. If you know hugs matter, give her a hug. What are you doing? manage your resource that is something that i have said because and and everybody claps when i say that and of course no man has the no man speaks up and says no i don't want to hug her i don't feel like hugging her i only want to touch her when her drawers are off nobody said no man says that but the minute i say hey if you want behavior to be repeated understand man don't be don't necessarily be under the yoke of it but take the knowledge of it the information of it and get it and understand, yeah, this is information for me to use. This is something that should make me better equipped. Right now in the conversations I'm having with my daughter, I'm like, yeah, let me tell you how guys are. Now you can ask me why guys are that way and we can get caught up in the weeds around why a guy is the way he is. Or you could take this information and you can use it to your advantage and understand. Well, if you want a man, and if you want a strong man, if you want a talented man, if you want an articulate man, if you want a man with money, Chris, we're not even talking about that. You know, I, we we know Kevin Samuels, God rest his soul, you know, talked about the high value man. I'm not even talking about high value men. I'm just talking about men. Okay. I'm talking about the jokes, Chris. That. I see all the time. It's kind of like I saw some comedian telling some joke the other day like, oh yeah, when they asked me if when I got married, you know, he was saying, oh, they asked if you got, are you prepared to have sex with only one woman? And after being married for whatever years, he said, he realized, yeah, that wasn't even what it was. It's no sex at all. And everybody's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. that's funny. But maybe this is a part of the reason why we are where we are. Because we don't want to talk about, we want to laugh at that like it's a joke. But meanwhile, we're failing at at this thing. So the woman asked me a question. I can only assume it's a daughter or a sister. I'm like, hey, let me help you out. You want your man to talk about you? Hey, understand men have a need. Now, my acid test has been, you know, that you want to have, I mean, intimacy is important. It's intimacy that's important.
1: Okay, so intimacy, let's talk about it. So you feel like intimacy is important to women, sex is important to men. Uh, and so there's an exchange. And so we've been you've been you've written numerous books on the subject on how men, so you you have your bona fides are in place, or they're in position. This is you're not new to this conversation. Okay, so you've been telling men for decades to touch, compliment, rub, uh, hug buy flowers and you know and to, to generally to be you know to to connect intimate to have conversation and to speak and all of this and but here's the problem is that men are saying when they do that and nothing comes back on their need level then they feel cheated
0: and what I'm saying is that I mean, a part of what I said in like a I did a response video to the one that's gone viral and I basically was saying, hey, yeah, I mean, if we take sex off the table, right? And if, if intimacy isn't reciprocated, then it's going to make men even more lazy. So now you really aren't going to get any of the intimacy and the connection because if there's no reason for me to do it, then there's if if it changes nothing, then there's no reason for me to do it. But if we also are going to make men feel bad about how often they want sex, then we're going to take it off the table altogether. If we're going to say to a dude, oh, why does it got to be about that? Then now what we're doing is we're robbing men of the incentive that is important to them unless we're going to just make men like women. And I don't think we need to just make men like women. And I don't think we need to take to make women like men. I think God made men like men and God made women like women. And I think that there's a balance that is required for the both of them to get there. But I, I, I am saying to, to guys, yeah, call. Say, hey, what's up? I was thinking about you today. And my word to the woman was, yeah, it's not wise for you to get trips or flowers or compliments or whatever it may be that was your love language or whatever was important to you. It's just not wise. You're not doing yourself a a service by receiving that stuff that's important to you and then giving back nothing. You're just, that's not how it works. Relationship doesn't work that way. Relationship is overlapping. And so, you know, but you know, a lot of, it's just it's interesting to me how how quick the defense is, you know, against anybody talking about a need that a guy may have.
1: Right. I mean, so I'm seeing the comments. The comments are really good. Y'all keep on commenting. Please like and comment, share and subscribe. This is a good conversation. Beyond the pulpit with Pastor Andy Thompson, this is incredible. What one one thing I, we're looking at is a lot of people talking about foreplay that there has to be some foreplay before the real play happens. And, I, and I, I mean, I don't have a problem with foreplay. It just can't be 40 play, okay? Um, it just can't, you know, at some point we got to close the deal. Can we close the deal? And I just feel like because we're, and really the problem is we just don't talk about it. Christian people for some reason have some taboo about talking about sex. And I mean, communication, sex, money, religion and kids, five challenges for marriages and sex is one of them. And if we're not going to talk about it um, and pastor, is this something that you address in your premarital? You've married hundreds of people. I've married hundreds of people. Is it something that you do? We ever talk about sex in the premarital before we close the deal on the covenant?
0: I mean, I think the part of the challenge, too, is that we're always starting over from ground zero. It's kind of like, it's just like our attitude about everybody pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. In the same way we want every single solitary relationship to start from a place of just trying to agree. It just didn't used to be that way. There was a time when there were cultural norms. There was a time when there was an expectation from you as a man, an expectation from you as as a woman, from the women around you. The women placed an expectation on you. The men placed an expectation on you. You were agreeing with your community. You were agreeing with your rabbi. You were agreeing with your imam. You were agreeing with your with your priest. You were agreeing with your pastor. You were agreeing with the community, okay? okay. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, guess what? I just met somebody. Now the two of us are going to get together. One of the reasons why I wrote the book is because I'm like, well, maybe this will help you because maybe I can give you a third-party thing that you could discuss and agree with because sometimes instead of trying to agree with each other maybe you need to agree with a third party it makes agreement easier because now you're going to sit here and and build up your little wall on what you think is right and you are over here going to build up your little wall on what you think is right well my mama used to get mad at my daddy and he had to sleep on the couch well my that never happened in my family okay so now what we're we going to do Well, sometimes we need a third party to say yeah that's not acceptable or well i understand that and so I think that, again, right, it becomes even more difficult if everybody has to lay out what it is. It's like we are so about the freedoms and rights of the individuals that we're losing the wisdom of the collective. We're losing exactly. the strength of the community. We're losing. This no wonder that, that relationships aren't working anymore. It's not. Humans haven't changed that much. It's that the the patterns and the expectations have been taken away, and now everybody just gets to roll out and just be like, oh, well, this is being a good father to me, or this is being a good mother to me, or this is being a good worker to me, or this is being a good human to me. When there was a time when there was a pressure on you to be a good human for more than just the partner that you had sitting next to you. And so I think that some of it we have to analyze and get down to, okay, well, who's saying this? Because if all you're going to do is just do what you feel like doing, then there's a lot of stuff you're not going to be able to get done. And relationship is one of the hardest things to do.
1: Here's a great comment. So are you saying that this is debtor sex? that they have to give debtor sex is this, this woman is now in bondage because she received flowers and now she got to give it up.
0: I'm not saying that you're in debt. (laughs) I'm saying that if flowers move you then be moved. (laughs) Don't say, Oh my God, I wish somebody would give me flowers. And then you give flowers and you say, thank you. I mean, if it's going to move you, then be moved. If it's, If acts of kindness or acts of service moves you, then moves, you know. How about rent?
1: (laughs) About mortgage. How about all all this light? See all this light. Be moved by the light. Okay. Uh, The fact that he's (laughs) going out there to work in the world, particularly if he's the primary breadwinner. I just think this is an argument that other cultures simply do not have. Uh, this is Western. This is a Western problem, and a Western issue, and and we're losing. We're losing because we're fighting over something that marriage presupposes that if we have two healthy individuals, two healthy individuals that that you know that we're going to come together on a regular basis to consummate and reconsummate this connection, and and that it should be a place of stress relief. It should be a place of connection and intimacy. It's what's interesting is the female orgasm, the woman releases a hormone that causes her to bond with her partner. Why would God put love potion number nine in the orgasm if he wasn't trying to connect us at a physical and hormonal level? Perhaps the lack of connection is because these brothers Are not getting amen to the right spot. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: I mean, it was another part of the comment that I made is that pornography has played a role in this. Okay, the prevalence of it. When you and I were younger, there wasn't pornography. wasn't everywhere. It started off with remember cable TV preview. It was on at night. It was the I I was saved. It was the scramble channels
1: <laughs> and his, it
0: was after was midnight
1: and
0: you were bagging it on the side and you were back there dealing with the contrast. And every now and then they would jump into into picture. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, it was like, that was, that you had to go down the combat zone where you and I, it just wasn't so prevalent. Now it's everywhere. So now right. guys have this whole other outlet. I read that. Remember you and I were discussing that, that interesting statistic that was talking about in the last 2 years men the percentage of men under the age of 30 who haven't had a physical interaction with a woman in 2 years then the number was something scary like a third or something like that it was a really scary number right, because both. and they were and they were saying there's nothing more dangerous than sink to a, to a community or to a society than single unattached no opportunity no possibility of having sex guys living in their mom's basement with a light bulb right in their manifesto this is dangerous to the society okay and so <laughs> i think that again you can't really learn how to please a woman from watching pornography pornography is about the man getting that visual understanding it's all about the man seeing and i think what you're talking about is a significant aspect of it of what it means to really interact with a woman what it means to really hear what it means to really meet that need what it is to really have that intimacy and that interaction, man. And it's almost like, well, why would I do that work when I could just for an hour get over here and flip and just look and see all kinds of images of all kinds of in of all kinds of stuff, instead of actually making the work and doing the connection of what it takes to actually have a real relationship. And what's more, I've also read stuff about how pornography has made sex almost more about performance than it is even about building intimacy. So what you just mm-hmm. talked about which is a significant aspect of it, which is, oh, yeah, God made this. You know, back when you and I were a teenagers, they call it a soul tie. So they okay. made it this happen because there's something about the commitment that does join you together. But it's almost like right now, everybody is, everybody has so much porn images in their mind that they almost are in it for the performance aspect of it more than they are in it about, oh, let's make a real connection and let's really build something. And so... Yeah, I mean I think that that pornography is a, is a, is an issue. And there are there are men and groups people who aren't even Christians who are like, yeah, men need to stay away from porn. Men need to to stop it because it's the dopamine thing and it takes it to a level that's can't be matched in a regular relationship. And so all the more for us to have conversations around what should be the norms in a relationship that you have.
1: I think it's interesting. So it's kind of funny to watch secular science come around to Christian conclusions, things that we concluded a generation ago, but kind of as a punishment, you know, don't do this, you're going to bust hell wide open. And as opposed to now we're saying don't do this because it's going to make you lousy in bed. And then your woman is not going to be able to reach her limit, her her climax. And then that she's not going to bond with you and it's gonna be frustrating. But moreover, I think what about kids? Um, a lot of times it you know, we we're everybody's working the day of the the woman not working, which was not a long day. Women have always worked, whether it was hunting and gathering while the men went out, whether it was women have always worked. They worked on the farm, and when they begin to move into working, on, you know, working in the work world that's been a shorter period of time but now just to make ends meet everybody has to work for the most part for the most part you know some of us are blessed that our wives don't work outside of the home although they do work okay um but most people they you need that two income just to make it in today's society and then we want to have children and children are you know a gift from god and a pain in the butt simultaneously And you know, and very expensive $250,000 just to get one through your house. Okay, then how are we supposed to now have energy at the end of the night to pull up, you know, set up that stripper pole and do the (laughs) dance? Yeah, I mean, and I, and there's a
0: great comment here that's saying, yeah, take some vitamin B12 if you like energy. Full time workers and children should not be an excuse. Your marriage has to come first. This, I I just feel like, again, right, every time we start to talk about something like this, a need of men. It's just like somebody wants to start throwing all the heap and all the excuses on why this is something that's not getting done. It's like there's a defensiveness that happens. and I mean, I suppose maybe it used to happen. Maybe guys will be like, well, I don't have money to buy flowers. I don't have money to take you out all the time like that. I'm tired after work, and I don't need to do that. To wit, we would respond and be like, yeah, but you got to do it sometimes, bro. You got to take them out. Tw- you got to take them out. One, we got we we recommended date nights. We recommended vacations. We recommended, you know. So I just think that again, people are always throwing out this kind of. Whenever we start to talk about a need that men have, there's all, there's this defensive group that comes and starts to lay out all the reasons why. Oh, I'm not sleeping with my husband except for once a month or twice a month, which to me is ridiculous. So it's like, you know, and and a part of even what I talked about in the video that went viral is that I was either watching a video or reading an article that was talking about how for a lot of women, when they they have children, since you mentioned children, when they have children, it's like the children give them a lot of physical attention, a lot of affection, a lot of hugs, a lot of touch. Every human has a limit of how much touch they want to receive. Okay. Okay. And so, you know, sure, some people are way more physical affectionate or touching than others. But what if you're with a woman who's not as affectionate and she has babies and she has kids that she's constantly touching and constantly hugging and constantly kissing because she's being a good mom. By the time that's done and them little rugrats are laying down, she now is at a point where it's kind of like, oh, I've been touched a lot. Now you want to come with your touch need as a guy, because chances are you haven't been touched that much that day. So again, that talked about that pointed to again, and all I was trying to say is, right. So if you acknowledge that men have needs and women have needs, got you take the information, stretch past yourself and, find a way to enjoy the intimacy that you're supposed to have with with each other um because it's a glue that keeps you together
1: glue is a good word
0: (laughs) yeah it really is i mean yeah because it's something that keeps people together who shouldn't be together so you know we we've seen people (laughs) that were like oh they 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 halfway can't stand each other. They halfway fight, and it is this. so. And and that's another thing that's really that's really a challenge. Sometimes I find in discussions that I have with men is that it's like. And I think this is another factor, even when it comes to uh, the sexual norms of people in, a, in a, within a relationship. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Okay, this is beyond the pulpit. Okay. Most people are not waiting till marriage. Say it again. Most people are not waiting for marriage. Really? <laughs> Most people. <laughs> and so there are people who are like finding marriage is interfering with a physical relationship that they had before they were married. Which for me is again, it's it's a it's a battle. It's a it's a it's a battle that we must fight. It's a it's a discussion that we must have. Um to talk about, yeah, the, the physical connection is important.
1: Yeah, that, that's a challenge. That that's a real challenge. And um and they really they couldn't hear that last statement. So Pastor, you said you were saying <laughs> that people are not waiting to have sex till they're married? Is that what she said? Yeah. Uh, so all you- this preaching and all this ring buying and and all this, this true love waits and vows to Jesus, it, we have wasted our spit and wind <laughs> trying to get people, to resist something without giving them really good basis for it. That the fact that if you're going to have 40, 40 sexual partners, you're going to be doing all these bonds with people. And now we're going to try and narrow that down to an almost impossible one. And now this one person is supposed to fulfill everything for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah. And, and I think quite honestly, Unfortunately, which is why I'm glad we're having this conversation. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how controversial it is or how upset it makes people. You know, I think it's a good thing for us to talk about whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you're single, whether you're with somebody, whether you're not, I think it's a good thing to talk about. I think if you're a woman and you think you want a man, then you need to know what men think. And if you're a man and you really want to be with a woman consistently, you need to know what women think. And I think that the church has a way, has had a way in the past of just glossing over this and acting like it's just not that important. And, you know, we're just, oh, you know, we're just going to, we're, we're making it, we made it seem like, oh, it was just you being totally carnal. And, and you, and it wasn't really all that important. And, you know, that people were picking people for each other, you know, because you not we grew up in a world in which pastors would be putting people together and they, they would tell you who you're supposed to be with. And, and if you like somebody too much, or you, you feel too passionately about somebody, you got to check out because that might be the devil. And it's just like, we, we decided that the word sarks which just means flesh means sinful nature and we right. we took a we took a, a a path in which we decided the church went way too far to the right and decided that if your flesh likes it it must be wrong and so now we're going to put you in a situation in which yeah we're going to deny your flesh so much that even in the part of the the part of life that is the actual physical that is the actual we, we're going to act like one of the things that I said in the in the comment was we have to realize that the enemy doesn't have the power to create. He only has the power to corrupt. Okay. Okay. So he wants to take something that God created and he wants to corrupt it and make it whack. But you and I were raised almost like there was stuff that it was of the devil. Drums was of the devil and and this kind of stuff was of the devil. Almost anything that they were afraid might make you lose control, okay? was of the devil. You couldn't play cards. You couldn't play with dice. You couldn't, you had to play with games with a spinner. You couldn't go to the movies. You couldn't, you know, anything like alcohol, anything that they were afraid of could, could create an appetite that would lead you to a path of death. They just said, yeah, no, just no to it. Just let's just cut all of that out and left really a world in which in the church, There were a lot of unhealthy relationships. There were a lot of people together for the wrong reasons that really didn't have any of the compatibility that they really needed to say it was a lot of bad stuff that happened as a result of it. And now the information age and this technology and science and all of it is making it so it cannot, it can no longer be denied. The results are in. Okay. Right. Somebody started counting. Somebody started doing the stats and somebody came and ended up being and saying, hey, this chloroquin doesn't c- c- cure COVID. So once they they did a certain <laughs> they, they did the studies and they realized, you know what? When we actually look at the actual numbers, what the church would say it did not work. And so now now the the Uh, Our religious forefathers want us to just be like "Mm," and ignore what science has shown to be the actual case, what the data has shown. And I'm just trying to get us to have an open, honest conversation about what is the balance of it. And I would hope that people want to have a conversation around the
1: balance of it, particularly when I'm asked a question about it by somebody that's young. No, I think it is something that people want to know. And again, it, the church has not been a place where you could ask any kind of question like this. The, the Christian church, particularly the Protestant Reformation has emerged out of a Catholic church that was dominated by priests and, and people who were supposed to be asexual. Uh, I say supposed to be asexual, non-sexual uh, that, but of course they weren't because the whole thing, but. What are we gonna what are we gonna do with Paul uh what are we gonna do theologically with uh this the the whole notion of Paul is advocating particularly to people in ministry going to serve the Lord that they just don't get married unless they are stricken with a sex drive fire fire, fire. say again
0: fire better to marry yes. than to burn fire it's like yeah he's saying but if you can't contain if you can't control if there's then you got to have somebody this this is the answer this is the solution it's this committed relationship i mean chris i think the other the other part of it is that the other byproduct of it is that when you purport something that is inevitably off okay, okay. it's going to birth something that's equally off OK, so the minute we say, yep, we're going to go to this far right where sex don't matter. OK, this to me is also a part of the birth of the acceptance of stuff all the way to the left. So instead of us saying men are men and women are women, now we're, we're going to now we're going to belch out something in which the world is now going to respond with something that has no guidelines at all, that has no... And now we're in a world now in which we, we, we so ostracized truth that we allowed them to come up with their own version of truth because we couldn't admit the power of pleasure in that relationship. We couldn't admit that out of fear that people would lose control of it. And we got compartmentalized outside of the question and outside of the discussion, and the result has been, oh yeah, I'm four, and I think I'm a girl.
1: Oh yeah, you think I'm. That's the result of somebody not giving up the draws. You don't blame absolutely. that all on that. Yeah, that. That's a yeah. big. I wouldn't go. Chris, that
0: far. Chris, the uh, who, who? Hugh Hefner was the the Playboy guy. Hugh Hefner. Okay, you know he was raised raised in the church, boy. Raised. Really? What I'm saying is a world of too much denial can birth one of the biggest pornographers ever to live. It's like, if we do not start to talk about what is balanced, okay? That's what we're facing in our churches. That's what we're facing in the Christian world. We're facing the rejection of all truth based on a version of truth that is only beneficial to one particular group or is is seen within one. We gotta open up and have more conversations like this around the norms. Otherwise we run the risk of losing the world to their own mind, their own devices without any supernatural guidance at all, without no divine guidance, without no guidance from above, because we decided That the guidance from above was that there's no guidance.
1: Okay. And I think I saw another comment I thought was really interesting. And thank you for your comments. Can you please continue comment, share, like, and subscribe? Do everything because we want this to go as far. We want to beat this algorithm and let it go as far out because this is an important conversation. But when we're looking at um, one person was commenting how our parents really didn't, most of them, didn't, especially if they were Christian parents, they really didn't talk about sex at all, is you learn more at the barber shop and the beauty shop about reality than you would learn uh, at prayer meeting. Um, and, and how do we change that dynamic so that we have a dialogue going down through the generations about what it should look like? And what does a healthy marital situation relationship look like
0: yeah i mean and i think again right it's because we decided to replace the culture or the family with the church especially in america
1: okay break that down again
0: once we got separated from our cultural backgrounds our cultural let's be honest there was a time when marriage all of this stuff this was a family issue this is mm-hmm. a cultural issue this this was norms within the relationship of the family, and I we have to be careful looking too past, you know, too back in the past because women were treated at little better than commodities and used to establish treaties and traded for for stuff. But yet and still, there was a time within human existence when the church was not the one that was responsible for setting what the norms were relationally, okay? That was a family cultural thing, okay? So, you know, the church interjects itself into marriage primarily through the Roman Catholic Church, 13th, 14th century. They want to be involved in the marriage of the royals. And the next thing you know, church marriage and relationship becomes a part of something that is now going to be regulated by Christianity instead of being regulated by family and instead of being something that's a family discussion. Right now, we're actually having a conversation around whether or not we talked about church and and whether or not we talked about sex or relationships or marriage within the confines of the church. But I would contend that the first place for it to be discussed is within the confines of what the family is. And You're being taught who you are by your father, by your mother. You're being taught with, this is how women are. This is what the function is. This is how men are. This is what the function is. And that there are conversations. I remember, Chris, when you and I were kids and they were first talking about doing sex education at school. There was a whole bunch of people that were like, no, I don't want school teaching my kids about the birds and the bees. This is a family issue. This is something that needs to be discussed within the family. And I think that Now, here we are sitting there talking about it and talking about, wow, it's too bad the church let everybody down by not, you know, saying, hey, welcome to Wednesday night service. You know, tonight's, you know, tonight's subject is, you know, how to grab it, how to tap it. It's like, I mean, I actually, it was something that I actually started to do. It's like I started doing, you know, little sex in the summers and I had crowds like crazy. But right. I really started to ask myself, you yeah, know, Lord, is this really the proper, is this the place, why is it incumbent upon me to teach a generation uh, how to interact with each other in a relationship setting? What really would happen is, you know, somebody's saying, well, if the family dynamics were broken, what would you, where would you learn it, church? I got you. But again, what I'm saying is, sure. But that also, Ought to be an exception, sweetheart, and not necessarily the rule. But it just became too much of the rule. In which,
1: if all right. the families situations, go ahead. If we got broken families, and we do, you know, nine out of ten black children don't have a father in the home, and that's the that's the truth. It's seven, um, but okay. You know what is it? Seven out of ten. Seven. It's not nine. Okay.
0: And even that number is starting to be lowered because there are single men who are the fastest growing group of single parents is single single fathers is about there are men who are raising their children. So, you know, even when you're looking at the single parent stats, it's not even necessarily just single mamas anymore. There are this generation of men, particularly our generation and particularly the millennials are deathly serious about having relationship with their children. It's it's just not something that they're, they're not walking away. They're not, but they're fighting. What I love
1: is just the, at the same time, the number is going down. The number of children that they're having is also plummeting as well. And our numbers are getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And so, but I, I, I we have to take that seriously is this, I mean, how do we practically do this pastor? Is the church supposed to have, can we do it on a Tuesday night? Does it have to be the midweek? I don't want to go to church on Sunday and pull out a picture of a labia. I I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. It's it's none of my business, um, and I just don't want. I want. Can I just preach Jesus and Him crucified? I'm getting tired of all the relationship crap on Sunday morning that is coming from people in the church, but I understand we have such a broken family system that now the church is the only last institution that we have. And so we're looking to that. I just don't feel like Sunday morning is the place to do it. And I, you know, I don't want, I don't want to be the one and I'm sorry because we have people, can you share about relationships and people see my relationship with my wife and I and how happy I am and how happy she is. And but it's just not something I feel like as a Christian minister that it is my job to teach about Jesus and the G spot,
0: right? (laughs) You just love putting that stuff together. This is beyond the pulpit, and we're just so glad you're with us today. This is my friend, Dr. Chris Hill, he's one of a kind. You know, I mean, I hear you. I mean, look, I let me let me say what I'm when I'm let me tell you what I'm suggesting that people do, okay. I'm suggesting that if you have a relationship with someone that's a significant, you are in a serious relationship, especially if you're married, if you're in a marriage, long term, con- committed, consistent relationship, I think it would behoove you to have a conversation about your relationship on a regular basis. I was talking to my my youngest brother um, has this thing that him and his wife do that's called like a state of the union address, just like with America. We have a State of the Union. It's kind of like, hey, let's have a State of the Union conversation. And let's kind of talk about where we are, talk about what our needs are in as la- as as defenseless a way as we can without being overly defensive. Can we actually have a conversation and re- and really see where we are? And because at this point right now, sure people could want us to 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 you know to discuss this stuff but honestly it's the information age and if you want to know then there's information out there for you to find it it just is and if there's if there's something like this that's important to you you can find out the answers we don't have to necessarily teach it to you i think it's important for us to challenge one another to reevaluate what we think is an excuse as to why we're not doing something that we're supposed to be doing. I think that's men and women. And I, I think that's a part of our role. I think a part of our job of even being the salt is to say, well, hey, why don't you think about that for a second? Why don't you reevaluate being so sure about your particular perspective? I don't know if we have to necessarily give you the answer. Maybe just us making you wanna have the discussion or maybe making you feel just a little bit unsettled about your secure place, maybe that's not such a bad thing. Bible says, let him who stands take heed lest he falls. So all of us should be kind of reevaluating, well, how good am I as a mother? How good am I as a father? How good am I as a friend? How good am I as a human? How good am I as a wife? Is it possible that I'm a bad one? And we can't necessarily wanna kill the person who might suggest that we need to reevaluate whether or not we're doing a good job of
1: it. No oh, pastor, you know. what do you think about, um, the five love languages by Chapman? Um, because he would say that this could be is men will are wanting physical touch and then maybe the woman, her, her love language is something else. Um, how, how did we place that in this matrix?
0: I don't, you know, I've, I've, I've looked at the book. I understand the concept, but I didn't read the whole book. I I understand the basic concept of the five love languages. I, I I think it's some good information. I just think it's a little bit misdirected. I I think that, I think women have all five. So I, I think, I think it's, it's a mistake to figure out which one a woman has and try to just scratch that one. If you, if you make a woman give you an answer and she says it's gifts and you start just giving her gifts, inevitably she's going to get upset because she's saying, yeah, but you don't take me nowhere. So understand for a woman, gifts is great. Words of affirmation is also great. Acts of service is also great. Time spent is also great. The All five of them, some touch is also great. If you spend time and give gifts, but don't never hug her, you're going to end up hearing about it. So I, I think the mistake of the book is, or that, that people took from the book is, well, let me figure out which your main, what this woman's main one is, and I'm going to do that one, and she should be straight. I don't think that that's wise. I think take the information, understand the five love languages, understand that women have all five, and 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 act accordingly. Okay. Do I think men have all five? I yeah, don't. Yeah, that's my next question no i don't i don't think men have all five i think men have two i think there are two love languages that men have and i don't think the book addressed those love languages because i think that book was written primarily for women and so i think women wrote read the book and loved the book i'd be willing to bet you women are mostly the ones who bought the book because women are mostly the ones who buy all relationship books so i don't think the book was written with men in mind i don't think so and i think it forced men to try to figure out what their love language was within the confines of these five. But the truth of the matter is that I don't think any of those five love languages really scratch men.
1: So you think you don't you think men men have two love languages? Don't what don't are s- they, sir?
0: <laughs> He's just <laughs> He's just being so Chris Hill right now. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think the first one is respect.
1: Okay. That's a language.
0: Respect. I think it's tone. I think it's how you talk. I think it's how you are. I think it's how you be to me. I think it's I think it's mixed in all kinds of stuff with you being nice and you being sweet, and you listening to me, you taking my advice, you think I'm smart, you think I'm, I'm some, some kind of good, some dudes kind of feel it in a little bit of an awe, oh, like, oh my God, you're so amazing. I think all of that in a dude is respect, okay? I don't care how much time you spend with a guy, if you're disrespectful, you're going to get on his nerves. I don't care how much gifts you give to a guy, if you're disrespectful, it ain't going to work. I don't care how much acts of service you think you're doing, if The guy feels disrespected. It is not going to fix your situation. If everything I say has to be reevaluated, if everything I say has to be rethought, if you think I'm stupid, if I go to church with you and Pastor Andy says something or Pastor Chris says something or Pastor Tyrus, Pastor Jakes, or whoever, if if I've already been saying it, okay, and I sit with you in service and A.R. Bernard says it and you're like, wow, like a light went off. On the inside, the dude is like, I've been saying that to you. And the very fact that you would listen to that dude more than you would listen to him is disrespectful. And that does not bode well for your relationship with that dude unless he is an absolute punk, unless you own him, unless he has no real balls, unless he is not strong, unless he ain't about nothing, unless you have completely sold." stamp out all of his spirit that he just, well, you and you do, well, you, unless that's what he is and you just own his behind, then any dude that's got any kind of sense of anything is not going to take disrespect on a consistent basis. And the truth of the matter is that even in the media, Chris, even in Hollywood, in comedies, there are constant depictions of men being disrespectful, of men being disrespected. If you watched Everyone, Everybody Loves Raymond, all Deborah did was diss Raymond. Now, I'm not saying Raymond didn't have it coming, but we're just talking about disrespect. We've just made disrespect as if it's just something dudes just need to get with. You just gonna have to be all right with the fact that somebody might just challenge you and get in your face and act like they can whoop you behind just because they. you just have to be all right with it. And if you can't take disrespect from a woman, then you need to work on yourself. But I'm just here to tell you, I talk to men all the time. Half my church is men, 48% of my church is men. I've been dealing with men. I've been discipling men for 25 years. I am a man. I'm in my 50s. I'm telling you right now, a real dude is only going to take with so much disrespect. It's a love language for men. If I say something I'd like to be heard, don't overtalk me. And I would appreciate it if I make a suggestion, or if I ask you to, let alone if I ask you anything to do. If everything has to be rethought, and if you ultimately think, I don't know what I'm talking about, and I'm stupid, then I'm going to feel disrespected. And you're not, you don't you don't care about me. Now, That's the do you first... think
1: that respect then, I mean, Aretha said it a long time ago. That was, do you think that um, Dr. Chapman left off a sixth love language? In short, do women need respect as well?
0: I mean, here's my thing. I mean, praise God for Aretha Franklin, okay? R E S P E C T, find out what it means to me. Okay, hit song. I just don't know if a hit song is something that should guide societal perspectives. I mean, I, I got you. Just a little just a little bit. Just a little bit. She was talking about just a little bit. Dudes ain't talking about just a little bit. Dudes are talking about, I'm, we're talking about respect. I'm not saying women don't want to be respected. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. That, that notion of, of respect is not answered in the five love languages book. Okay, that's number one. And then the the second one is physical sexual intimacy. Because the way a man feels about his body is how he feels about himself. And if that is rejected, you are rejecting him. And that's what caused this whole discussion and all of it. And I'm right back in the pit I was in before, which is that physical intimacy if you spend time with me but there's no physical intimacy if you buy me gifts but there's no physical intimacy if you do an act of service but there's no physical intimacy if you say words of affirmation but there's no physical intimacy if that's what you you are just teasing me you are scratching me in a place that i do not itch
1: sorry it's kind of a the friend zone kind of reality
0: so sorry sorry ladies you want us to be like you, we not like you. We not like you. Okay, sorry. We're not. We're good, but we not like you. So we we need to understand. Women are like, oh, we'll teach the balance. Got you. Got you. Talk, touch, serve, gifts, trips. Yes. Bruh, understand the five. Master the five-finger touch, okay? The Kung Fu five-finger. Got you. Be be good at all. Try to work at all of them. Don't know how to write a poem? Buy a blank card and copy one. (laughs) Got you. All I'm saying is, you know, I'm just saying, when we start to talk about what a guy needs, it is very dangerous to start identifying what men need through the lens of what women need. Men and women aren't the same. I think a part of what even has made this discussion so much, Chris, is the battle for equality has made women be like, yeah, but we're like men, like we can do what men can do. And so women, in, in an aim for equality, decided that the way to be equal was to be was to be the same.
1: Good.
0: The way to be equal was was to be the same. So if I'm gonna be equal, then I we men women have to show I can do exactly what men can do, and we're just like men. And I'm like, no, please don't be like us. We need you to be better. That's not, we don't need you to be exactly, we don't need you to have the same flaws we have. We need you to understand us. I'm trying to give a little bit of information in a loving way about, about how men are and open up the dialogue and the conversation so that people can talk about it. And I'm willing to talk about it even more. I welcome the opportunity to talk about it. Christian, you know, when I was in Boston, just this past weekend we were leaving we saw the black we saw some of the black israelites you know that's a big big thing with the black israelites you know they tried to they tried to uh, get me to 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 be a part you know so really? it's just uh-huh so you know that's one of their the main hebrew, selling points the
1: hebrew israelites
0: yeah yeah <laughs> the hebrew israelites right
1: that's that would be awesome
0: right right but again is that the answer i think i think Let's have a let's have a realistic conversation. I mean, men I are having
1: so much. Honestly, men are having so much problem with one woman. God help us if we had more than one. I mean, it's just the reality is. I think we get if we can get one thing down, then we can get the next thing down. Um, and and that and that's the reality of what we're we're trying to build. And I, you know, I like to you know me. I'm going to throw out red meat all the time. That's just how sure. I am but when it all boils down to it is you've been put in a position of uh, pastors sadly have been put in a position where now we have to speak about something that is really outside of our purview and really outside of our dynamic. And is really, there is not a lot of biblical. There's really not a lot of biblical uh, information or on it. And then a lot of it has been culturalized in a way that that Frankly, does not fit, um, and so it's a real challenge. And I'm excited to it. I'm up. I'm up for the challenge. I just think that it has to be like you're doing it beyond the pulpit, and that people have to stop expecting us to do a marriage seminar on a Sunday morning. And moreover, when we do a marriage seminar, I think they should be willing to support it both physically and financially, like they do in other sectors.
0: I I agree, and I think that there needs to be some kind of common, agreed upon, behavioral norm. I think that would be healthy, and I think that whether that comes from society, whether that comes from culture, hopefully it can come from family. You know, if it's got to come from us, we're certainly willing to give it. Um, but I do think it needs to happen beyond the pulpit. I. Chris, you know, because you know you and I are best friends. I mean, I did it. It was something I I did do it on some Sundays, and then I just stopped. I stopped doing it on Sundays. I I, I found that I didn't want to dedicate Sunday time to it. I wanted Sunday time to be dedicated to faith and and connection with God and strength internally. And and I think that um I don't know. I don't want to say whether there's mixed reviews on it or not. I just think that it's something that
1: no, it was very I was successful. Decided. I think it's something that people really do want. Uh, Pastor Charles Bethany is talking about it. That there's enough in the Word that if we if we work it, we can we can see it. Unfortunately, uh, those statistics in the church are so abysmal at this point uh, that the Muslims are doing better than we're doing in terms of marriage, and and so we need to rethink the whole thing, in my estimation and, and we're, we're doing it. I think this is a part of it, but I think it needs to be done. How about YouTube? How about classes online? How about uh, other, well, so where you can, uh, how are we gonna have that kind of discussion about sexual and relationships? And we have people who are holding their children who didn't put their kids in children's church this week. I, I think it just, it doesn't, the two don't have to necessarily be the same. And I think that's our our weakness is we want to rap and have the gospel choir at the same time. And some people want to do the Pentecostal two step, and some people want to break dance, and they don't have to be in the same service.
0: Okay, well, this has been a wonderful episode of Beyond the Pulpit. I want to get off here before we say something else, or before Chris says something else that that you know ends up with picketers outside of either one of our churches. So, Chris, thank you so much for being with us, man. It was great. It was a good conversation. Thanks for helping me. You know, this this thing is kind of big. I wanted to take the time on Monday night. You know, I do it on Monday night to kind of give a little bit more. Of my overall perspective. I don't know if I doubled down. I don't know if I doubled up. I don't know if I doubled in. I don't know if I doubled all I don't know if Chris helped me or not, but I think it was a good conversation. I think it was a good show. And uh please share as we've been saying over and over, share, share, share. And uh if you like, like, subscribe, subscribe, you know, check the podcast out. And uh, it's been another great episode
1: of Beyond Thank the Pulpit. You. Thank you for your Thanks, comments. Chris. This is fun. Talk to you later thanks for listening to beyond the pulpit with andy thompson if you enjoyed the conversation be sure to follow andy thompson on all social media platforms if you would like to support this podcast head over to www.pastorandy.com podcast for more information on how to donate and stay connected with andy thompson